And um, and I think that's fascinating because you know people were just like, okay, well, so what am I going to put up? And they would just put up, you know, knee jerk what felt right. And um, it was such a cultural comment, you know, because these were probably millennials, you know, and they were funny, but um, but they were not encouraging. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. We're gonna have to get this podcast started because we're already getting. This. I know. I think. I think we just got started. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to Touch Podcast. This is Nate, and this is Ryan, and we had a few mic issues in this episode. Sorry about that, but hang in there. This is really good stuff. And our guest today, a returning guest from our earlier seasons, is Dr. Tina Schremer Sellers. Welcome, Dr. Tina Schremer Sellers. Well, good to be here, you guys. I'm always glad to be with you. Yeah, you have had a lot of things going on, and uh, a new book out about shameless parenting. Yeah. And you are what is your title with the Northwest Institute? Well, I'm the founder, but I'm also the medical director. The so medical I director oversee okay. how it's all going and yeah. help with my board make decisions about where we're going next. What are some of the things that your institute is? is working on right now right so we are all about trying to encourage psychotherapists educators um, healthcare providers to get training in sexual health and treating sexual dysfunction most people think that when they go to see their therapist even if it's a couples therapist that they've gotten that training but in fact we at best will ask you to take one class when you're in school and it's true for medical professionals too. They'll take very specific, you know, reproductive system or whatever, but they take very little, if any, on sexual sexuality and sexual health um, from a, a more broad perspective or relational perspective, or even sometimes specific um, medical kinds of things that they ought to know, but their particular line of medical education just didn't touch on that, right? So, um, so we are all about, um, we're all about training that. And, um, so we, we are certified by the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. So we're one of their national CE providers and we try to encourage people to come in and get training and then we hold their hand through it. And we've probably... When we started this in 2015, there were only five people trained in the whole state of Washington. And we have since probably put through 25 people to get certified since that point. Wow. And there's another um, now university that has created a track that they are teaching it as well. So the Northwest kind of, we just put ourselves on the map as far as a training place with before there was nothing on the West Coast, you know, really of, to speak of. So, um, Anyway, it's it's been a lot of fun and uh, it's exciting. So my, I have a friend named Bill Doherty at the University of Minnesota, and he he talks about big goals as your big hairy audacious goal. <laughs> so my big hairy audacious goal is to raise the bar in how we do psychotherapy, and how we do medicine, and how we do education, so that we think of people as bio, psycho, social, sexual and spiritual because that's how they walk in our door. But when we're only trained in one or two of those areas, we don't provide as good care as we could. So that's what we're all about. Wow. That's really... That is 
fantastic because I, I noticed in doctors and even in therapists tend to there's a push to specialize, specialize, specialize. And then, you know, the more you specialize into one thing that you're going to necessarily, like you said, you only get to take one class or it's something that, you know, sexuality advanced aspects of relationships and sexuality get pushed to the side. Yeah. Medicine has been on that track. You know, it, it started out broad back in the day and then it, it started to specialize. And then family medicine emerged in like the early 70s because it had gotten so specialized that people really weren't getting the care that they needed. Nobody was thinking about you in context with your family or whatever, you know? And so that's when family medicine kind of arose and, and they would talk about how the fact that they're biopsychosocial. And that was the very first time that <clears throat> that idea had entered medicine, really. So hmm. we're kind of wanting to take it further simply because if you listen to the people that you talk to, they're asking you to know this stuff. But what therapists and doctors often do is they'll just like ignore it or they'll jump in and give some advice from their own life. Ooh. And we know how badly we do sexuality in the United States. So sometimes Ooh. that's not so helpful. Wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, oh, you've got pelvic pain, you know, to a woman. Well, it's probably just in your head. Mm, right. <laughs> you know, not helpful, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone is a medical professional therapist listening to this podcast and they're like, oh, wait, wait, what's she talking about? Where could someone go to take one of your, I've seen it on advertised on Instagram and I know yeah. you have a website, but right. why don't you go ahead and do the little commercial for them to yeah. so jump we, over to there. We're Northwest Institute on Intimacy. So our website is nwioi.com. And, and then on Instagram, we're at NW Institute on Intimacy. Either of those places are going to get you to the website. On the website, you'll see that all the things that we teach, if you hit classes, you'll see we've got 37 online um, asynchronous classes, classes you can take whenever you want to. That'll train you in so many things. Um, and then we have live classes that we do too and they they're there and they explain it so <clears throat> it's really easy to learn about the institute when you go there yeah it's a pretty solid website mm. we also <clears throat> it, but this is mostly in the northwest we'll take people who've done that comprehensive training and we'll put that we'll put them up on the site and say to people these are the people we would refer to mm-hmm. because they're trained in every you know biopsychosocial spiritual sexual so no matter what you bring to the table, they're likely to be able to walk with you and they're not going to refer you out after you've created a good relationship with you. Yeah. You know, they are solid, solidly trained. But only about 5% of therapists in the country are trained that way. So most people know Esther Perel, mm-hmm. and Esther is trained that way. So she's very popular and she's written several books, but <clears throat> she has a podcast and I don't even know. So, I mean, she's really popular. But anyway, she she's one of those people that was first trained in marriage and family therapy and then went and got trained in sexuality, you know. So I always tell people it's like that. Yeah. I, the topics when I see on Instagram, the topics when you're advertising them are always so exciting. 
I wish I could take them, but I don't think I have the credentials to get into your classes. Well, you can yeah, take I'm a in online classes while yeah. you're making woodwork. You can just that's true. Yeah, that's right true. In your ear and learn about it. Yeah, seriously, we try to make it so easy for people okay. to get this information. You, like you don't have to come in and say I'm so and so and I've done such and such. Gotcha. Anybody can take these classes. Um, you just might not be able to get certified as a sex therapist. You know? <laughs> right, 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 right. That, I, I might not yeah. be. I, I was I'm not ready to take that plunge. <laughs> I was I was fortunate enough to um uh to have a, one of the films that we made shared in Tina's Tina's um seminar space, and yes. likewise she also joined one of the screening experiments that uh, that me and my co filmmaker were doing um for for that and and I have to say that. Th- I I definitely think Tina, what you do is you are you are using the most relevant, most experimental things out there in the context of safety, in the context of education, and, and starting discussion. And um, there are a few people I've met that are as courageous and having a great time doing this um, yeah. as you. And and I I think that's something else encouraging about the space you provide. It really encourages that courage. Um, and to have fun with these conversations. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really I, cool. You know what? I think that that's a, a great and interesting comment, Nathan, because it doesn't feel so courageous. So as it might, if you were really filled with shame, Ooh, yeah. um, but you know, I've been doing this for so long and I came from a family that was Swedish immigrants, you know? And so because of that, I, um, I really am able to handle other people's uncomfortableness and try to be graceful with them and understand that of course they are, but I'm not usually dealing with my own reactivity. So the only courage I have to have is that somebody else might react to me or might react to the information and that's fine. I get it. You know, because we've been a really weird society and we've made sexuality and bodies bad when they're not. I think they're, I think they're gifts, right? I think they're phenomenal gifts. Ooh, ooh, right. I have a, I have a question, right? Yeah. Do, you mind, do you mind if I jump in with a question? Um, <clears throat> Tina, I'm so curious. So, so your book now is about, well, the first time um, when we interviewed you, the book was Sex, God, and the Conservative Church. And it was a really fantastic introdu- introduction to the purity phenomenon. Um, and, and now this feels like it's, it's going another level, right? We're kind of going deeper in and the, the effects of and what that conversation looks like. And yeah. so this is focused. Well, we, all, we all became parents. Yeah. We all, became <laughs> we, all, parents. we all, you know, not all of us, but, you know, we came of age, you know, we all have children and nephews and nieces and that's right lots of little kids around us all the time now that's right that's exactly right that's exactly right Ryan yeah yeah no that's okay so so yeah so my question is like you know first the general premise of what makes this book different from the last and specifically what do you think is the most um thing that you've put in that book that gets the biggest reaction from people whether good or bad or not good or bad I don't want to use those binary words but um big or small yeah 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 well the book came about because i was first working on material like 
handout material for physicians to use at well child visits and teachers to be able to use and therapists to use in their practice because they didn't have resources right at their fingertips, but they were meeting with parents all the time, right? Or adolescents or whatever. <clears throat> and I thought if I can create something that is really handy, that they can like get a license and, and then print out whatever handout they want, you know, they have birth to two, two to four, four to six, what do you have? I've got something right for you here. You can have this. Um, so I was working on creating those and and they did end up getting finished after I did the book, but they're called um, shameless cheat sheets. And so they're for professionals to use with parents. But the project came because what I was hearing both from providers, but also from uh, parents was this overwhelming statement that I, I don't want to do to my kids what was done to me. And secular or religious, right? I just don't want to do to them what was, it wasn't helpful. What I learned about sexuality or what I did not learn about sexuality or how I learned about sexuality was not helpful in my life. And I want to do better with my child, but I have no idea what that looks like. No idea what that looks like. And I thought I've been teaching this stuff for 30 years to physicians and therapists and parents. And <clears throat> I, I have this stuff. I can put this together, right? And, and so I had passed the cheat sheets on to a colleague of mine um, just to have her look at it through the lens of diversity, equity, inclusion, um, just LGBTQ, whatever. Did I, where were my blind spots in it is really what I was asking. You know, do you see anything that I missed or whatever? <clears throat> she came back, gave me some good feedback and then said, you know, this really ought to be in a book for parents as well as handouts because I think it's so practical. It just makes so much sense, you know? So um, <clears throat> it's put together in that a similar kind of way where it's very age specific. You can turn right to where your kid's about to be and there's just three pages, right? And it's gonna tell you, here's the emotional tasks your child's gonna probably try to do in this frame time. This is the behavioral tasks they're gonna try to do. Here are the sexual curiosities that are likely to emerge and this is what it'll look like. But then I go on to ask the questions around <clears throat> what do you imagine your reactions are going to be when these things emerge? Mm. Because that's an indicator of our shame level from what we got growing up. So what I've noticed with parents is there's a lot of good sex education material out there, but what still stops them is that own sense of like, I'm gonna feel so uncomfortable, I'm gonna feel so awkward, uh, and they just put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off, until their child is, does something that then kind of scares them, right? Yeah, like, like <laughs> it's engaged. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> That's one thing. <laughs> yeah, so, <clears throat> so I thought, I really want to address the shame issue by just talking about how do you think that you're gonna react when this happens? And if it's a reaction that you don't like, let's kind of talk about it. And I give some kind of journal prompts and ideas to get them to reflect on where that reactivity likely came from and, and then to examine it, right? <clears throat> and so what I believe is where we only can if we want to help somebody get somewhere emotionally, we can only take them as far as we've gone ourselves. So if we want to do good sex education with our kids, we're going to need to deal with our shame. And so mm. that's what this is. It has 
you know, what are the shame triggers that most parents feel when these kids do this? If you feel that, that's totally normal. Let's look at how you came about to feel this, where it came from, and then how you heal it. So there's just a small section in each area that talks about that. And then it ends by giving the top resources right now for that age group. So books for kids to read, books for parents to read, websites to go to. And so everyone is like, here's, if I could pick for you what you would have in your house right now, here's what I would say, you know? And I'm gonna be um, updating it every single year, both the book and the cheat sheets um, so that people have it. And so my, my vision is, is that I'm holding parents' hands, you know, as they're walking through. Wow. you know, and normalizing what they're seeing, you know, and then saying, okay, so here's, if you're feeling this, it's normal. Here's how to heal it. You know? Yeah. Wow. That is beautiful. My goodness. How powerful. I, I, had, I got to listen to the book. I bought the audio, bought it on audio. I was uh, working in the shop, listening to it. And I even sent you a message, Tina, that like, because in the audio book, you read all off all the resources at the end of each chapter. Yeah. the way it's i'm sure the way yeah. it's organized on yeah, paper in the book. Yeah. and so it's like you're like you give a commercial at the end of every chapter for sex blah 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 so and so's blah 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 blah. <laughs> i'm like you can get like a paid endorsement from these other books <laughs> but uh because you're like name dropping them throughout throughout but it's really uh i really enjoyed listening to it i need yeah. to go i need to buy the paper book so that it as you know so i have it in my hand to come back okay. to and and, and grab but um so yeah and in the book there is a, a place for you to keep notes at the end of every section <clears throat> me. so if you wanted to keep your notes on how your kiddos are doing you can do that or mm. nieces or nephews or whatever you can do that right in the book which i think is kind of a fun thing the book also because it's very kind of didactic and practical it does it's not filled with stories i have an opening chapter right tell some stories about how this came about in my own life. And then I end it that way too. But the middle of it is very like, okay, you got a two to four year old, here we go. You got a four to six year old, here we go, right? And so because of that, I had to find a um, template, like a book template to use to help me lay it out in some kind of an artistic way. And it has like almost 150 pictures in it and it's in 14 font. So it's like, it is your guide. It is like wow. quick and dirty. You can read the whole thing if you want to from beginning to end in like an hour and a half, two hours. I mean, it's not, it's not big, but it's super practical and helpful. Wow. But producer Ryan, I have a question for you since you've, since you've had this book and you have children and I do uh -huh. not, um, have, have, um, of what you've gone through, um, have you had any experiences kind of similar to what Tina is talking about and what was your reaction to it? Uh, yeah. 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 So I have a, a nine year old and a 13 year old. They both just turned nine and 13. And so they're obviously at different stages and, um, uh, uh, one of the uh, words of advice in the book that I felt was really helpful is, um, particularly with smaller kids, you, you say something like, um, give 61 minute, have 61 minute conversations instead of one 60 minute conversation or something like that. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, and I found that to be very helpful because our nine-year-old, he's he's very um, he gets embarrassed easy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, our, our eldest, our daughter, she's never gotten embarrassed very easy. She's very more, much more outgoing. Our youngest is a little more shy. He, he takes a little longer to warm up. He's easily embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And so, and we have really found that very helpful. It's like when something happens, we sort of sit, like we use that as a moment, you know, and my wife will be like, well, that's right. <laughs> Sex feels good. That's right. That's yeah. the only thing we don't like. We don't do a lot more than that. Like, that's great. It's that's just, just the moment right, right there. It's yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's good. With uh, our our uh, eldest, when this was probably about six months ago, we were at the pediatrician. I had taken her. She's supposed to get the uh, HPV yeah. vaccine, mm-hmm. and so we had already talked about it. Um, this is the second shot. This isn't a surprise. But my daughter's very, um, very anxious around needles and so does not like to get shots. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what's in the shot. Just she doesn't like to get shots. So we're in there. She's already psyched herself up. She's ready to do it. And then she sort of has a little like mini panic attack when they're getting like the needles and stuff ready. And she in front of the nurse, she says, Dad. I promise I won't have sex. I'll never have sex. <laughs> uh, you, you don't have to give me any more allowance. I'm not going to have sex. Bless and, her heart. Yeah, and and so of course the nurse does not know the dynamic of our relationship or any conversation that's happened before this moment. Right. Oh no. And and she goes, I don't even want to have sex. I'm never going to want to have sex. <laughs> and I'm just <laughs> so I'm like, honey, this really isn't about. This isn't really about sex. This is about your health. And this is a, you know, you'll take this shot now. It's going to protect you for years and years and years to come. And believe me, you don't want to have sex now, but you are going to want to have sex (laughs) soon. And the nurse, yeah, yeah, right. And the nurse, young, maybe, you know, 20 somethings woman, she just like shrinks into the corner of the exam room because oh. we are and we're obviously like hitting oh. all kinds of like there's a dad and a daughter talking about her period and about sex and about wow you know, he just said she's gonna want to have sex and like she she was like physically like did not know what to do and she says um i'm i'm gonna give you a moment and and she leaves like she had to get out of there she did not know what was wow. going on. Um, but, you know, but no, it's that part of that thing, too. Like, it was just a great example of, like, uh, she and I, my daughter and I don't have shame about that. We were kind of being more matter-of-fact, and I was encouraging her. But this other woman who obviously came from a different background. The nurse. Her energy was like, oh, my gosh, this is so weird and awkward, and I've got to get out of here. I'm sure it was. it would have been awkward to anybody, but. Well, not to anybody, but to most people. Again, oh, we're raised in the United States. It's going to be most people because ninety-five, about 95% of people, we think, grow up in silent or silent and shaming homes. So, And then she's been through uh, nursing school or, you know, to a master's or yeah. more, probably. And she was not prepared. Wow. <laughs> it's just yeah. obvious right there, you know, as opposed to like if you had done our training, She'd be able to see, gosh, your dad is so great. 
Yeah. I'm so glad you guys can talk about Like, she wants to so awesome. in and been encouraging <laughs> of your relationship and your conversation because she would have known how healthy that is. Wow. Right? Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you, she came back with two other nurses to hold my daughter down. That's where that, that's where her brain went. Oh. And wow. I said, I was like, well, just a second. She's going to come around. We're working on this. And I don't know what she said to those other nurses, but like they came in to like, wow. yeah, to hold her down. And then they, they, the other two nurses sort of read the situation a little more accurately, I think. Wow. And they got more pastoral really kind of quick and not like. We, we got to give this 12-year-old her herpes shot. Oh, my gosh. That would be trauma-inducing. trauma, trauma -inducing. You don't want to hold a child down and yeah. give them a shot. That's like, yeah. you want them to hate medicine for the rest right. of their life? You know. Right. What a perfect, what a perfect subject to, to frame how important the, the work that you're doing is um, when you're educating, educating these other health workers, um, uh, therapists, ministers, who just don't know what they're missing. And, and sometimes right. it takes a story like this to kind of see, oh, here's how the, here's how the, um, the toxic approach gets passed down pretty effortlessly and quickly, very quickly. Yes, exactly. Unless you intervene. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because you can just imagine there's a power differential there, right? You've got medicine up here and yeah. a child down here. And, um, and sometimes this happens for parents too, because they, they feel the power differential. If they don't know any better, and then the, the medicine folk come in strong, mm. then they, it activates them too. It activates their shame and act, they, oh. they absorb the fear and, and they're thinking, oh, we, we better do what they are wanting us to do, you know, kind of a thing. It can be just bad all the way around. Right. Wow. And, um, so yeah, I wish it wasn't too much to ask that every healthcare provider has done just, we have two primary courses that are basic, like just take those two, please, please, please just take those two, you know, yes, just please. because you're going to be so much more comfortable. And we know, we know that again, I was in medicine for a long time and we know that like 30% of healthcare professionals will get extra training in that area in some way or another and their patients will be the ones that talk to them about relationship and sexual concerns mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow yeah. wow so good um R ryan i feel like i've been able to ask our guest my million dollar question do you have a million dollar question for our guest a million dollar question it's gotta be a million dollars not not a buck fifty it's gotta be a million yeah dollars. um your in the book, um, I think one of the things that's really helpful, and you mentioned this before, is that like there are sort of signposts at each each age group about what they should be curious about, what they, um, what sort of are things you can talk to them about. Right. Exactly. And, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, how do you? I would imagine that in a lot of situations people might read that and think, oh, wow, that seems really young to be talking yes. about. Oh, yeah. Semen yes. or, yeah. or yeah. ejaculation or right. whatever. So how do you, um, yeah, how do you kind of react to that? Like if, yeah. if someone looks at that and they're like, oh, my gosh, uh, my kid's like way too young to be too hearing young about this. Yeah. We know from research that when you ask 
parents, how much did you talk to your kid about sexuality? They will almost always say more than their child will say they did talk to them about sexuality. And yet we know that kids want their parents to. They actually want their parents to. And yet they're going to be, of course, when they get to 11, 12, 13, 14, they're going to be like doing all the things, right? You know, like stay out of my business or whatever. But they actually really want this. And so we, the way I like to think about it is we wouldn't wait to teach a child about friendships, mm-hmm. how you do friendships, how you can tell when somebody's a good friend, how you are a good friend, what is trusting, you know, love, what's exploitation, whatever. We wouldn't think about not talking about it in any way, like sharing, not talking about it in any way until they were 17. We would never do that, right? Mm-hmm. But that's because that's woven into our knowledge oh, base that we right. understand that we need, we have got some things to teach them at two when they start to do the me, me, me thing. We're going to start to talk about sharing. They're not going to get it right away, but we're going to start talking about it there, you know, and there's, you know, other little things that we just start to teach as they're growing up and they start playing with other people and we talk about, you know, what is, how you ask before you take things, how you ask before you hug or whatever the deal is. And we do these kinds of things because we know that it's helpful to our kiddos by the time they get to school. And then we ask them, how did it go at school? How are things going with your friends? And then we're given another little quick lesson in there if it's something they don't know. That's exactly the way we need to be teaching about sexuality and intimate relationships. So we don't, we're not talking about some things for sure when they're little. But we are talking about other things, like we are talking about they're labeling the world when they're two, three, and four. So we're helping them label their body correctly, too, right? Mm, right. And helping them know that it's a wonderful body. They're discovering their penis or their clitoris, you know, somewhere around two, three, and they love it, right? And it's really hard for parents. But when parents understand that this is a normal thing that kids do, then they can give them positive messages about it. And as they get a, closer to four, they can start saying, and you know what, we, we, uh, when we want to really, when we want to touch and enjoy that part of our body, we usually go to our room or to the bathroom. And we even do that too. So mommy and daddy, mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy, we do that too. Um, and it's just because that's what we do, but it's such a wonderful part of your body, right? And so we are giving those little things as the developmental issues arise, then that's when we go in with that piece. But I think one of the biggest mistakes that most parents make is that they think that their kid isn't ready for something, right? Mm. So for example, here's a really good example. We know that the average child is exposed to pornography around the age of nine. Well, you don't wait till 11 to start talking about pornography. You start talking about it at eight. Now, are you going to get super explicit? No, but you are going to say, you know, sometimes things show up on the computer or on somebody's phone or whatever that can be scary or you don't understand. And there are things like pictures and sometimes pictures of naked bodies or whatever. If you see anything that just makes you uncomfortable, would you promise to come tell me so I can tell you what you saw and explain it to you? I don't want you to be carrying it inside of yourself and feeling bad about it or feeling like I shouldn't have done that or anything because it's that curiosity is normal. I just want you to be clear about what you're seeing. And then they get a little bit older, more like 10, and then you're starting to say a little bit more about what pornography is 
you know, and that there's, you know, different kinds and some of the stuff that we can get to easiest can be sometimes the most scary. Um, some of the stuff that's probably the best you have to pay for. And that's mm -hmm. the way that we do things in our country, you know, and yet stuff that can be hard to understand can be really easy to get to. And mm. so we just help them understand what it is that they're seeing. We also begin to explain at that age, at 10, that you know how we don't live like Batman and, and Spider-Man, like we don't crawl up, you know, walls or anything, but it'd be so fun if we could, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of the way pornography is. It's all fantasy. It's not actually what sexuality might look like between two people like your dad and I or your mom and I, whatever, you know, it may not look like that, but what people who don't have parents that talk about it, they can sometimes think that that Spider-Man version of sexuality is what people do mm -hmm. and that that's their teacher. And I just want you to know that it's <clears> a Spider-Man <throat> version. You know, it's a, it's a make-believe version and there are cameras all around and people are faking things and obviously you know we don't have cameras in our room you know what I mean? so you can just gently start talking about helping them understand what it is and what it isn't without without freaking them out without scaring them but beginning to just drop certain ideas you know that sounds great you know i don't think i don't think i ever had a conversation about pornography growing up um i think i just heard about where the Playboy channel is and why you shouldn't go into mommy and daddy's room. <laughs> That's all I got. And yeah, it's, it's when you got to college and it was scrambled yeah. in the, in the, on the call and you're like trying to stare at it. Just it's all scrambled and wiggly and then like there'd be a boob for a second and then it's scrambly and wiggly. You know, there'd be an elbow and scrambly and yeah. wiggly. Yeah, and then, then there's that moment. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm being so turned on by this butt and all of a sudden like, oh, Oh, no, no, this is, this is an elbow, not a butt. Oh, I'm getting off an elbow. I just got off to an elbow. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, you know, they're, they're, they've remade, they're remaking Wonder Years. Okay. It's, um, the new version of Wonder Years is fantastic. It's a fantastic oh, show. Yeah. And episode three of the first season is about uh, the, the, the youngest child, the boy in the family, uh, finding some playboy like magazines in the basement and it and we were all watching all four of us the nine-year-old 13 year old you know and cindy and i we look at each other a little bit like oh, well and then even at one point she goes is this a 9 p.m show or i think it's gonna be okay let's let's stick with it and it ended up being it ended up being fantastic i won't spoil it but yeah. it really is it like Sorry. follows all of the beats for good sexual health and right. it does it, it i it will it probably would make some parents nervous for for a few minutes there yeah but yeah. um it's it really ends up being very wholesome and and good yeah. and a good and, and watching my kids watch it like they get up got a little squirrely and got up and got a drink of water and came back and then our, my nine-year-old's kind of act like he's not watching it but he's kind of looking <laughs> kind of side-eye watch it paying attention to it yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, it's really nice to see shows taking on sexual health a little bit more now than I think we've seen before. And some of the junior high, high school age, like sex education, which is kind of more high school age-ish, but it's it's just packed with, with myth-busting throughout mm -hmm. it. 
and then giving what the actual is. It just woven into a great storyline. I mean, it's just brilliant, you know, or Big Mouth, which is kind of the junior high version of oh, gosh. Sex Ed, you know, and they actually do a really good job too, you know, even though it's funny and all that, but they, they put in some good stuff, good nuggets in there. Hmm. Big Mouth is so funny. It's raunchy. Like it's, yeah. it's pretty edgy. Yeah, um, it is a little bit. Is funny. Yeah. yeah. But again, I think we have to remember what kids' lives are like at school. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I think parents don't want to know. But trust me, they are getting everything from their friends. Everything. And so if you haven't built a scaffolding around them, Mm. then they are kind of a victim to that. Mm. You know, like they won't Mm -hmm. know what's exploitation and what isn't. They won't know what's true and what isn't. You know, Mm -hmm. and you really want to equip them with here's what's actually true. Here's what's actually going on. And I want you to know that because I think you're going to hear this, 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 and this. And I just want you to know that that's kind of baloney, but you know, but funny, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. All right, Tina, we have a question we want to, we are going to be asking all of our guests. Oh, that's season. right. And because we're, yeah, we're about, we're almost 40 minutes in. I think it's time for this question. What do you think, Nate? Yes, it is time for this question. Um, and the way this works is that we're basically going to ask you three questions and you get to choose which one of these questions you want to answer? Lights going around. A jingle needs a jingle. It'll be like question time, question time. So here are your three questions, and lucky you gets to choose. Ryan will tell us question number one. I'll tell question number two, and. Ryan, back to Ryan for question number three. So what's the first question, Ryan? All right. Question number one, and you get to pick one of the three. Question number one is, can you tell us about your first sexual experience? Or your favorite sexual experience? Or your most recent sexual experience? (laughs) That's just so fun and juicy. So juicy. So juicy. Um, I think I'll go with, um, my favorite, and it, it, it it's in a bundle. It's not a one. It's but it's a type. Um, when um, when I had been dating my husband for um, oh, a while, maybe like six months or so, I was deep in studying the connection between sexuality and spirituality from all kinds of perspectives because I wanted to understand what had happened in Western. Christianity and in our country, right? And um, and so I said to him, I'm going to go to this sexuality and spirituality conference in Santa Fe in January. Do you want to come? Um, it'd be fun to do it together. And um, but I had no expectation that he'd want to because you know, like you're dating somebody who's weird. You're dating somebody who's a sex therapist and a therapist and is studying sexuality and spirituality. <laughs> like, how weird does that get? And he was all over it. He's like, oh yes absolutely let's go do this and um we would go to different workshops during the day and then we'd meet up at night and um we had the richest conversations about the integration of and what it means to integrate as well as getting some practical information about things to actually do to kind of increase that um sense of presence and mindfulness 
and the kind of heart open experience. And that's when I began to have my first experiences that felt totally other, totally an integration of sexuality and spirituality and two people kind of losing space and, um, and things that were hard to put words to. Um, and, and then I really began to say, you know, sexuality, we give it a bad rap because people can be traumatized by it. And that is true, but sexuality on the other end, if it's a continuum can be remarkably healing Mm. because it is the body, the mind, the soul, if you bring that and the spirit, the whole emotional part of the person. And when you have that sort of converging with two people, the neurobiology of healing that can happen in your brain is pretty remarkable. A lot better than like just going to a therapist and talking Mm. or whatever, you know, it's like all coming together. And I began to see that um, sexuality in mindful kinds of ways with somebody that you really trust can be just remarkably healing. And we need to be talking more about that, you know, because I think we miss that. That's part of what I think that's part of what we're meant to know Mm. is that this is a gift and it's not a should on your chore list, but you have to figure out how to make it something you actually really enjoy and look forward to, you know? So yeah, that was, that was the beginning of many of those. And, um, and that's my favorite. That is is the best answer we've had so far. (laughs) It really was. It is, fantastic. it is a fantastic answer. It's that's healing that's itself. Be hard to beat. Wow, <laughs> that is. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, good luck, future guests. My goodness, <laughs> with this question. Yeah. Oh wow, this has been a really, really, really good time. Learning so much about um, just the medical profession, uh, the gaps that are there, even how things as as parents or you know friends of parents. Um, to, to, to feel equipped and to not feel alone, that you can be supported even though you're working with the privacy of your family. And, um, and even how fun questions like this can be healing just by giving a full answer of, of, of not being in shame. And um, so beautiful. Thank you so much, Tina. That was really great. I, I sincerely, sincerely uh, recommend our listeners pick up uh, this last book, Shameless Parenting. Um, it subtitles everything you need to know, everything you need to raise shame free, confident kids and heal your shame too. And I think that heal your shame too is uh, a really important and unique aspect of the book. Um, and people are really going to get, get are I know, getting a lot out of it. I know I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what's, what's going on now with you? What's, what's up next? What's, well, what, um, people sign up, they see you at a conference, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So, um, I have started the beginning of a parenting community on, um, you, you can find it at, at uh, drtinashameless.com or tinashermersellers.com. Um, but I have a, like a parenting uh, community that I'm starting because I just want to, if, if there's a need for people to sort of reach out and say, here's a question, here's something that's going on, whatever, I've got tons of blog posts, tons of things that I've written, as well as I'm willing to do live, um, like Instagram lives or a Zoom or whatever for parents, you know, periodically, that's just like 
hey, let's just talk about it. Let's talk about whatever's freaking you out, you know? So oh. that's one of the things that I'm doing. Um, and then, you know, going around and doing podcasts, you know, I love, I love, love, love doing podcasts. It's so fun. Um, but uh, going around and talking even at professional conferences to sex therapists and therapists and educators, because I'm really trying to encourage people to, you know, absorb this, to deal with this. And um, so that, I think that's where I'm going to be. That's where I'm going to be located. I think for the next several years is really focusing on supporting parents and professionals and feeling comfortable about sexuality with their own people. One of the fun things I've been hearing about the shameless book, I've had people write me and say, I don't have children. I'm not sure I'm going to have children, but I like your work. So I decided to pick up the book and it has been healing me so much because I could see Mm. what I didn't get at these different ages. And then like maybe what I should have gotten, but what I didn't get, but then I can also begin to work on my shame. And if I want to, I can go back, I can go read some of these books that you say like it's appropriate for a four-year-old or it's appropriate for a (laughs) six-year-old and kind of fill myself with the stuff I didn't get. And a lot of people say it's their shame, they can just feel their shame just running right off of them, you know? And of course that just thrills my soul, so, yeah. There, There are a few people on this planet that that have like that makes me say this person is an avenger <laughs> you are an avenger <laughs> tina you are a, 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 this this character from the marvel universe for sexuality and shame freeness uh and it's just a powerful force that can walk through walls and um and thank you for walking through walls here and breaking walls down there wherever you're listening wherever you're at whatever you're feeling in your body it is true Walls can fall down even for you. All things are meant for you and you can have them. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. What a blessing. Thanks, Tina, for being on our show. Oh, it's always so much fun to be with you both. Oh, thank you. And we're going to have to have you back because we're going to have to talk about um, the spiritually connected and healing sex. Mm. Sex as medicine next time. Texas Medicine. Ooh, that's going to be so fun. Ooh, that is going to be so fun. How are we going to even do this, Ryan? Oh, my goodness. We got screens and microphones. Oh, it's going to capture everything. I don't know if you have to do the sex on the show, but we'll oh. talk about it. Okay. <laughs> thank, thank God. Nathan, okay. you know, you, you've got that cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's for another conversation for everybody, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so thank you for joining us on this beautiful reintroduction of Touch Podcast, the update podcast. Thank you, listeners, for keeping up. You can find us online at touchpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can find us on SoundCloud. And you can join us on Patreon where you can watch the video of this conversation and see all my awkward facial expressions that I tend to make because I got the anxieties in me and I have to get them out. Yeah, and you can see the cosmic plantation that's behind my shoulder as if it's talking to me like it's, it's the devil and the angel conscience. Yeah, that's a beautiful picture behind you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And the, and last but not least, just to let you know, our Touch Podcast website is going through a bit of a reconstruction reboot. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so apologies there if you see like a placeholder, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, it should but, be up by the time this fixed by the time this is up. But yeah, 
the the website died. We had a uh, codes in there mm-hmm. that were no longer supported by the original creator, and it just got it died. The website yeah. it was it was oh gosh, that's a whole other episode. How to this this the, this is what I mean oh, by reboot. You see, we are it, we're yeah, like it's literally everything's getting rebooted. We had to start. We're having to start from scratch in a lot of areas. We're like Matrix Resurrections. If you've seen that movie, oh, it's kind of like that. We're Nate, kinda like, it's kind of like a recap of the first pulled, story. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Nate and I are being pulled what? Keep going. Out of the goo. Oh. We're Ooh. being pulled out of the goo and disconnected. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone goo, but, but I'm with you now. And, and, and yes, <laughs> we're pulled out of the goo. What were you going to say? <laughs> pulled out of the goo, Nate. I was just going to make reference to how we're kind of coming back. We're talking about purity yet again, but it's going to be a little different with a different set of characters like Matrix Resurrections. Um, mm. But we can go goo. Goo is cool. Goo is memorable. People yeah. will listen to goo. You got to get out of the goo to be resurrected. There you go. Beautiful. I thought he was going to make it rhyme too, but I can help it rhyme. You can get out. You got to get out of the goo to be the new you. Get out of the goo. We need a new get out of goo. Actually, we have an episode about how to get into the goo, but that oh. is a completely different. It is. Yeah. <laughs> we should wrap. We should wrap. Let's wrap. Let's wrap. All right. Thank you, everybody. And everybody. we'll chat soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What in the world is going on? What in the world going on?